Now, we'll be doing a story today, this is called The Otherworldly Demons of the Desert. I had been driving for just under 10 hours. The sun was rising in my rearview mirror. I had to make do with a pair of broken sunglasses that I had retrieved from my glove box. They're bent, and one of the lenses is slightly out of place. It looks like they have been sat on. I may have sat on them. I have been in the desert for a little over a month, and while I grow tired, I am unsure when I will leave, if I ever return home having done what I came out here to do. There was a phone that I used to keep in the glove box It was a smartphone of some sort, I'm not sure which type. While it was the only connection that I had to the outside world, primarily being my wife and children, my boss and my mother's nursing home, I had no option but to throw it out the window. When I first left the city I drove north towards the border of the state, and once I got out far enough I got rid of the phone and immediately I changed direction towards my true destination, being out west. They could never track me this way because, you know, they might track me through this phone as they do. I had to assure myself. I've allowed myself to become overpowered by paranoia in the past, but I wasn't going to let that happen. Not when the stakes were so high, not when the fate of the human race could possibly be decided by the way in which I conduct myself on this mission. Finally, as the sun rose from behind, I spotted a great silhouette in the distance. A small town, at least a few buildings. None of them taller than two stories though. It was hard to believe towns like this even existed anymore. I was almost expecting it to evaporate into thin air to reveal itself as some mirage. As I got closer, but as the car ricketed forward, the vision did not relent. Perhaps this was the place. There were a few cars parked around the area, so I decided it was the best idea to park around the cars so as not to single myself out and arouse any suspicion. As I rolled in and switched off the engine, I sighed. This was not a situation to be taken lightly, and the best possible road of action should be considered before executing the plan. What plan? Eh, anyway. I'd fallen out of the daze that long drive sets one into. My tongue felt around my mouth. I really needed a drink, and maybe something to eat. My boots make tracks in the dirt. I scan around for a bar. I find one. A sign peeks out from the small line of buildings next to the post office. It's called The Witch's Brew. The sign has these nice little flowers around it around the text. White, gothic looking text on a black background. The sign's made of plastic so it doesn't look as gothic as I think they wanted it to look.
I go in. I'm greeted by a few turned heads, most of which belong to ladies. Bars are rarely occupied by more women than men in city areas. While I found it strange that the only bar I stumbled into in all of the desert happened to be one designed chiefly for social gatherings of women, I was more or less prepared to believe that the secrets of the universe were housed somewhere inside a lesbian bar, so I made my way further into the establishment, but not, but not before checking for a fire exit. I found one to the left, I breathed a sigh of relief. use of the lacquered wooden floors and walked across towards the front, which was in clear view from the entrance. This is a level of perception not granted to the many bustling patrons of city bars. I look beyond the woman tending the bar to where a large sign is hung. I initially mistake it for a menu, however as I pay attention to it, looking for, I don't know, like fries or something, I quickly realize that it is something completely different. In plain white text unfurled upon a board of black as dark as the void of midnight, a poem is written. It reads, Witches brew a witch's brew. Add some spirits, change its hue. Drink it, and what will you do? Add some spirits, change its hue. Witches brew a witch's brew. I consider this for a moment, but only a moment. I take a seat at one of the stools. The bartender is doing her job, making conversation to customers. The girl who sits beside me on the next stool, her posture exuding a sense of weightlessness that makes me hyper-aware of the heaviness that I have stowed in my mind and body, wears black boots and a red jacket. She has a Chinese character tattooed onto the side of her left hand, that which is closest to me. I can't recognize it in the dim light. Also, I don't know Chinese. I'm gonna have to completely disagree with you right there, man, she says to the aproned woman, who now wipes a section of the table with only enough mental investment so as to barely complete the task. I can't help but think that Michelangelo is a bit overrated. The bar girl opens her mouth in disbelief. Her glasses slide down her nose, ever so slightly. How could you even think that? Michelangelo was a king, a god. A retort is fired back sharply. Overhyped. A gasp. Neither member of this heated forum of debate has yet noticed my presence. The conversation continues like this for quite a while. After about 20 minutes, I wonder if I will ever find an entry point into this conversation. After another 8 minutes, I realize that they are not discussing Renaissance painters, but they're talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It took me embarrassingly long to realize that. Anyway, I realize after a little while that I'm going to have to force an entry. <clears throat> I'm sorry to interrupt this heated discussion. The bartender looks at me, bringing me to the attention of the woman beside me. I'm not exactly from here, but I believe that you may be able to help me find something that I'm looking for. She smiles pleasantly. You need directions? Too easy. Yeah, I need some directions. This is not untrue, although I sense a disconnection of meanings between us here. Sure, 
Where are you heading? At this point, I abandon any attempt to broach the subject with even a semblance of surreptitiousness. I have to cram the words out of my mouth. To put it plainly, I have heard rumours online on a forum, a few forums actually, about a, uh, I scramble for the best turn of phrase, a landing around these parts. She raises her eyebrows, but she's not shocked enough that her attention is properly swayed from the task of wiping glasses, which has now come to occupy nearly her entire attention, it would seem. You mean, she says, of some kind of... Spaceship, 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 Why yes, I was in the right place. God knows, if I had ever found what I was looking for, had I ignored my natural intuition. Exactly, I said. She responds, There have always been rumours like that wafting around this town. I move slightly in my chair, into a more comfortable position, in preparation for what I anticipate would spin out into a lengthy monological retelling of stories of terror and fear that the woman had heard her in her youth, which had not yet escaped her. She moved on to the next glass, brings in a few more visitors every decade. She yawned into her elbow. I answered a raised eyebrow, now having returned to its regular post in alignment with the other. Visitors? Indeed, visitors. Tourists, who come in looking for aliens. A jittering in my solar plexus. I was so close. After decades of searching, I was poised to end my search at just the right moment. I'd forgotten my thirst. My mind had only been looking for excuses to bring me into this very bar. I was on the right track. Everything was going to be okay. My wife would be okay. My children were going to be okay. I could finally come home to them after so many years. My mother wasn't going to be okay, but that had little to do with the aliens. She's... Not long for this world, regardless of whether or not aliens have anything to do with it. She would be okay for a little while longer, and that's alright, I suppose. I guess she'd appreciate it if I, you know, saved the world and, and all of that stuff. But I stopped. Getting ahead of myself, there was still so much left to go. I fixed my glasses in the hopes that my composure would follow suit. I realised I still had sunglasses on in a dimly lit bar. I remove them. I find myself in a bar that is not dimly lit at all. Have you, um, heard anything about where these landings have occurred? She doesn't look up as she wipes, perhaps in order to hide the sadness in her eyes. The fear. The story is always varied, as stories like these tend to do, but most people often say that they side the landing in an alleyway. I think it's the one right beside the post office. I freeze, a mix of excitement and horror spilling over my body. I'd passed the post office on my way here, you remember that, right? I was sure of it, I'd been so close. 
I had to stop myself from jumping from my seat. I had nearly everything I needed to know. One more thing. Do people come in asking about this stuff often? As I said, once every few years. I've lived here for the entire 23 years of my life, and whenever someone has come out this far to look for flying saucers, they mean business. I don't mean funny business. I mean business like a vacuum cleaner salesman. Going door to door asking everyone, annoying the crap out of all of us. I see. I pause. Did you ever hear from anyone much after they went looking? She thought for a moment. Not really. She recommenced wiping, having spun the towel in contemplation. Always assumed that after a while they got tired, or were just too ticked off to bring themselves back here to groan, and had just left town. Maybe they go to the next town over, maybe they find their way back home. We would never know. Entirely likely, I thought. But I knew that there was another option. Whatever otherworldly demon was lurking in those alleys, it had taken many lives before mine. Not to imply that it was going to take my life, no. I, I came prepared. I knew it was coming better than those other guys. I have an edge over them as a result of those guys having already died. I did not regret having neglected to pack any weaponry into my bag in the five minutes I spent packing when I left my wife and children five or ten years ago, however long it was, I don't, I don't know. I was born ready to get alien shit painted all over my bare knuckles. I was going to fist those aliens harder than they knew it was possible to be fisted. I've heard enough, I said, in the gruffest voice I could muster. I began to get up. You wouldn't like to order anything before you left town? The bartender asked. More out of obligation to the business than out of genuine care or desire for me to stay any longer. I licked my lips, which I noted were still dry. However, I had greater things on my mind. In addition to this, after having eyed the menu for a few minutes, I realized there was nothing that I could really order that exceeded the cost of $5.30 that I had to my name. It was all that I needed. Besides, when this was all over and done with, people would be basically throwing their money at me to catch a glimpse of whatever gizmos or doodads I had looted from these alien freaks. Martians? Venusians? Who cares? I leave the bar. It's quiet. The hot wind menaces me by getting all up in my face. The red of the desert almost stings my eyes. I look down to the earthen ground. I spot a discarded cream charger just by the side of the road. I had no idea people did that sort of thing around here. There were stranger things lurking about this town. And I was about to find out exactly what those things were. The post office was just where I thought it was. Directly adjacent to my car. For good measure, I first went to my car, making sure to make myself small to anyone watching, and I opened the boot. I scavenged through receipts, some empty shopping bags, and some dirty syringes, in hope that I would find something that had been long forgotten. My fingers delved deep into the mess and, while connecting with a gooey substance, collide with a solid object that was somewhat phallic. 
This was exactly what I had been looking for, I knew. I withdrew my hand, the rustling paper giving way to reveal my prize. A pair of nunchucks. So, I enrolled my youngest child into a karate class. This is the story. Because at school he was always getting beat up for being lame. And he liked anime, which wasn't a good combination. And so, to remedy this, I decided to force him to learn martial arts. Not only were martial arts objectively cool, I thought, there was also a hope that he would become so invested in the sport that he no longer had any time for anime and completely lost interest. It occurred to me a little while later that he may also be able to fend off any remaining bullies. This was also a plus, but it wasn't my main intention. Anyway, his teacher, I think their name was... Uh, I'm Anyway, I purchased the thing for him, but as I had driven away from the karate school with it, I loaded in my boot. I realized that I had made a dire mistake. Not only were martial arts enormously lame, in reality, but forcing my son to learn a Japanese martial art was effectively consenting to allow him to descend even further into liking anime. Besides, after about a month, he hadn't been getting any better. Why, it had only been the week before that I had walked into the living room to watch reruns of Mythbusters that I'd caught his younger sister giving him a wedgie. Oh, what a fucking nerd. Sure, they were only made of foam, and they weren't designed to cause any real damage, and they were intended only for the purpose of practicing, but... It could potentially make for an indispensable weapon against an opponent unaware of our earthly methods of combat and warfare. And if worse came to worst, I could wrap it around the neck and choke them out. If they had something resembling a neck. Cowabonga indeed. I was ready. So there it was, stretched out a few meters from where I stood with my weapon clutched tightly. The final destination in a journey that had begun many years ago. The fate of the world depended on my success. Or my failure. I was as prepared as I ever would be. As prepared as anyone would ever be. Without conscious thought, my legs begin to move me forwards towards the alley. As if carried by the wind. I let it happen, one foot in front of the other, my heart rate rockets as I close the distance. I am now staring down into the alley. The dirt is decorated by discarded plastic wrappers and tin cans. The brick walls have been dirtied by decades of neglect. One wondered why nobody would simply take a few minutes out of their day to pick up all the rubbish and maybe make it a little bit nicer. However, one could only imagine what happened to any audacious soul who stepped in to do so. I passed through the imaginary line created by the two properties on the either side of the alley, and in doing so, I am now under the jurisdiction of whatever unholy creature has begotten the unwholesome smell that has now entered my nostrils. I believe it was cabbage, burnt in a metal bowl. Maybe this was a dish that this alien species had come to enjoy on Earth, 
It stunk really bad. I inquired further into the contents of the small thoroughfare in search of the stank's origin, but to no avail. The alleyway was effectively empty. None of its visible contents were of any interest to me or seemingly at all related to my purpose in having ventured into this godforsaken town. A weight in my stomach brings me down, kneeling in the red dirt in an alleyway in a small town in the middle of nowhere with nothing of even minor significance other than a very nice lesbian bar. The dirt below me turns purple, and then it slowly disappears from sight right before my very eyes, as they are transfixed at the ground. I do not know why I spent so long surveying such a small sample of the landscape. Perhaps because there was nothing in the empty sky for me to gaze at. Shadows return to my vision, advancing across the feeble town once more as the sun continues to set yet again. The setting sun has dragged the only shadows out of hiding, but only that, nothing else. It was day again. Which one? I am not sure. I had not yet sunken into the ground, collapsed out of starvation. My flesh had not been picked from my bones, by ants or birds, quite yet. My remains had not yet been excavated or surveyed by an archaeologist digging for bones in a section of the desert that had been long since abandoned by mankind. I brushed my fingers across my face. I had grown no facial hair to indicate that it had been any longer than a day or two since I had first set foot in the town, but who knew how long it had really been? Who knew how long I had spent in this town in this part of the desert, away from my family? How old were my children, if I could even call them that anymore? I notice the dryness of my mouth. I am exceptionally thirsty. I stand. It is still quiet. The end of the road. I could waste $5.30 on a drink. Or maybe a milkshake or something. What else would I spend it on? I fall into the bar and I finally place an order. There are men in the bar today, I note. They sit talking about women, but none in particular. The bartender who had served me, or at least who I talked to previously, was no longer working the bar. A woman of a taller stature and of greyer hair makes my milkshake for me instead. It had looked pretty good on the menu, but it was only okay. You'd think it was her first time making a milkshake or something. <sighs> but I didn't bother to complain, she looked old. Despite my thirst and exceeding hunger, it did not vanish quickly. The bartender keeps wiping the table. She spoke to me with a smile. She speaks about the rain that we had been having recently. Nice weather we're having, she had begun. I don't remember the rain, so I just nod my head in agreement, and I later pretend that I knew more about sport than I in fact did. It was uncommon to meet someone out in the Australian desert so passionate about American baseball, but here she was, talking my ear off about it. 
Her accent was kind of funny, I couldn't quite place it. Maybe Americans just sound different in real life than on TV. I finish my milkshake, but I don't leave. Where was I to go? There was no alien threatening the fate of mankind. There were no planets to save. I had no place to return to that I could still probably call home. I suppose I could stay a while in this bar, in this town. What else was I to do? It was a nice town. The people were nice. When they passed me sitting the alleyway, they would often give me spare change. They would quote the Bible like it was the hip new thing. I wasn't like them. Even the children knew I was different, they looked at me the same way the adults did, like I was out of this world. Like they could learn something new from me, like I was of a different kind to them, dirty, earthen, in need of a shower. Like I was the otherworldly demon of the desert. Well, that's the story. Um, if this becomes a regular thing, I will allocate maybe five minutes of time after each story to talk about basically whatever I feel like. I might talk about some interesting research I did for a piece of work. Maybe I'll respond to any viewer comments or questions if anyone is watching this thing. Maybe I'll just rant for a little while. It's all up in the air at the moment. These, you know, these are truly uncertain times that we live in. Well, yeah, this is the first in a potential series of stories that fall under the production name Podrama. I selected this name myself, and while I was aware that this was a very exploitable name, as one could easily make a mockery of the program by chiding more like poo drama if you ask me, I realised that I could undermine the impact of that sort of criticism by making the joke first before anyone else, and also get points for self-awareness. As for the production of this podcast, I do basically all of it. This feels like something I should mention, not just to flex, but also to um, justify how low quality it can be. Um, the background music is written, recorded, and mastered by me, although I have had a little assistance in the most latter art by someone a little bit more experienced than I am. The story is, of course, my creation. Um, the cover for this episode was also designed by me. Um, for those wondering what program I used, I used Preview. I also used stuff that I found on Google Images that was allowed to be used for commercial use, even though I'm not intending to use this for to make any money from this. Um, you know, anything more complicated than Preview was a little too complicated for my liking. Um... You know, this level of creative, creative independence has its advantages and drawbacks. I don't have to worry about any potential copyright issues for one thing. I get to have more fun spacing the work out into multiple mediums. And of course, you could say something about having more artistic control. But who really cares anything about that? Not I. It also gives me a good excuse to put these out not as often as I actually could if I wasn't lazy. Anyway, yeah, people overestimate how difficult it is to edit something as simple as narration over a few tracks of very basic loops. As for the potential subsequent episodes that could follow this one, 
Well, I have a whole case of stories that I haven't really done anything with yet, and a plethora of ideas that I'd like to explore. I'd like to maybe do some episodes that are just collections of poetic works, that would be nice. Maybe I'll ask someone else to come in and co-write and do some voice acting, who knows. I would like to do a reading of my, my own short story, A Trip to the Ponds, but I had that published in the Anna Lit Journal, so I'm unsure of the legalities of doing something like that. Something else I thought would be important to mention, I'm also considering doing a works of a lot longer length, maybe do a few multi-parters, although I think it would be good to prioritise the single-parters for the time being. It took about four weeks to complete this one episode, as hard as that might be to believe in its entirety, again not because it's actually very taxing, I just do a bit every day while working and studying and having a little, little bit of life and whatever, so it gets done over time. So, if I continue to do this sort of thing, maybe expect something every four weeks. If I stop uploading, it's because I either got really bored because no one was listening or because I was incarcerated for tax evasion. Anyway, I think that does it for this episode. I have nothing else to say, really, and I'd like to keep these around for uh, half an hour long, 25 minutes. Eh... 18 minutes by my count. So I'll cut this short. I've been Joel. Thanks for listening or playing this in the background of whatever you're doing. I still get listens when you do that. Um, if you're still interested, I recommend that you keep your ear against the wall. Oh, also I was joking about the tax evasion. I pay a tax. I pay taxes, a, a lot of taxes actually.